recording whenever you're ready. Hello, everyone. Uh, the week of July 12th was a big one for the Department of Labor. Uh, Julie Sue and Seema Nanda were confirmed. David Weil had his committee hearing and the administration's great undoing continued with its rollback of Trump's joint employer rule clearing the White House uh, review process. So it's a, a great time to join my Sacramento colleague, policy wonk Scott Mallory, uh, back again in a discussion of DOL happenings. It's um, been a while, Scott. It has, it's true. Um, I'm Scott Hecker, and this is the Policy Matters Podcast. So yeah, Scott, big week last week, uh, week of the 12th. Yeah, and, and indeed, I, it, Nanda, Seema Nanda and Julie Sue being confirmed is, is, is quite a big deal, actually, the DOL. I, I think a lot of people were a little bit kind of taken aback at how slow these sort of these confirmations were slow walked and the sort of I think that the GOP did a good job of slow walking these these confirmations. Um, but now that the number two and the number three are confirmed, I think we're going to see a little bit more movement, um, especially on the joint employer front and on the independent contractor front. Um, you and I actually, we, if anybody wants to go back and listen to our podcast from before discussing Julie Sue and Seema Nanda, please do so. Uh, yes. We'll talk about them again, I think, a little bit later. But I think that folks are going to really want to hear about uh, some of the perhaps repeat players that might be making their way back to the to the DOL. So one of those repeat players is, is Doug Parker. So what can you tell us about Doug, Scott? Yeah, so Doug Parker has been nominated as Assistant Secretary for the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, uh, and he was previously in in government service with uh, at the federal level with the Obama administration, as you said. He was actually um, in the uh, Mine Safety and Health Administration, uh, so a little bit of a different role. Um, but he, you know, he's actually come up on that side. Um, he was actually before heading Cal OSHA. Uh, you know, the California version of OSHA, um, which is where he is now. Uh, I know pretty well. Direct, I, I bet you do, uh, being out <laughs> in Sacramento. Um, yeah, so he was at uh, WorkSafe, which is a legal services provider that's uh, mission is preventing injury, illness, and death by bringing justice to the workplace. Um, as I said, he was a deputy assistant secretary uh, with MSHA, the Mine Safety and Health Administration, during the Obama years. And he was a partner at a union side firm in D.C. as well, um, but he started his legal career as a staff attorney with United Mine Workers of America. So, Scott, again, as we've talked about before, um, you know, union union side uh, experience as uh, as, you know, um, President Biden has said he wants to be the, the most union friendly administration in history. So we see that again here um, talking to some former colleagues at DOL, you know, they they view him as as a really smart and thoughtful, meticulous person, um, but you know, laid back and, and nice uh, employers who are regulated by Cal OSHA. I don't know that they they totally would agree with that characterization. Yeah. And certainly, you know, meticulous isn't a word that most folks would use uh, to describe the process surrounding promulgating and revising that the Cal OSHA. COVID-19 emergency temporary standard. So yeah, to, to that end, Scott, I'll just say, I think that my colleague here in Sacramento, who was unfortunately tasked with blogging and writing on the sort of all the standards awards hearing over the Cal OSHA uh, ETS. Unfortunately, I don't think that meticulous is an adjective that she would describe, use to describe <laughs> that process at all. I mean, each one of those hearings was four and a half hours of I mean, I'm not going to say pure insanity, but it was pretty close to that. People had very, very strong opinions. Now, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, 
Doug Parker stood by the initial Cal OSHA ETS, which he was pretty intimately involved with. And I'll say there were a lot of problems with it. Um, it, it seems like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the most well thought out ETS. And then, you know, he, he was still technically in charge of the Cal of Cal OSHA during this most recent sort of craziness that happened when they came out with the ETS, didn't conform with the CDC guidelines, and then they had to go back and change it. Now, you know, I don't think he had a ton of involvement at that point. I think his eyes were more towards this sort of federal nomination that he's getting. Um, but yeah. it's just, it is sort of indicative of kind of the way that Cal OSHA was run under his entire management. So not sure if that's how it would go over to the DOL, but but we shall see. Uh, but I think that, it, and I also think that, you know, Cal OSHA is a is an agency that some people overlook sometimes, and it has a lot of real world effect on a lot of businesses. Uh, oh yeah, no, no doubt. Yes, I mean as you know all too well, Scott. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean I'm in the workplace safety and environmental group uh, here, so you know definitely have seen a lot of, um, I would say enhanced enforcement that we can continue to expect. Uh, you know, Cal OSHA has always been viewed that way. A lot of the California enforcement agencies are viewed as as aggressive um, and we may see him bring some of that here uh, you know he sort of got out of having to do the enforcement of a broad ETS at the federal level as we only yeah. have the healthcare version um, but you know he he did say he thought it would clear uh, legal muster though admitted to not being a, an expert uh, in in whether there really was a grave danger still present to justify it um, you know he's gonna have plenty of time or plenty to keep him busy, uh, even without a broad ETS. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the spring 2021 regulatory agenda for OSHA lists, I think, 26 actions, um, you know, at varying levels uh, of, of progress on the rulemaking front. And, you know, there's definitely stuff that we've talked about before, workplace violence and healthcare and social assistance, heat illness uh, is another one. And then, um, you know, an infectious disease standard that they're trying to revive. Um, but yeah, and of course, there is a, a national emphasis program uh, and uh, about COVID and also the ETS for healthcare, which I'm sure they will aggressively enforce uh, in, in those ways as well. Um, Secretary of Labor Walsh is working to staff up both the wage and hour division and OSHA uh, to increase enforcement. And, uh, you know, DOL needs resources to execute its policies. Uh, and Secretary Walsh has said to Senate Appropriations Subcommittee that, you know, if we don't have the staff and we don't have the employees to protect the workers, then we can't be on the job sites. We can't be checking wage an hour. We can't be making sure people are working in safe conditions. So, yeah. you know, he's pushing hard for that. And, yeah. um, you know, we may see a fair amount of enforcement uh, because of that. So. Um, Interesting. I, 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 that's, that's so fascinating, Scott. I mean, and I think that, you know, we're going to see enforcement on that grounds and even more with the next person we're going to talk about was Mr. Weil, who we've seen before. And I think that you also know quite well. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Weil, first of all. Dr. Weil, so, my yeah. apologies. Um, yeah. But yes, uh, David Weil was um, was also with the Obama administration, uh, not in a different role, but as you know, they're looking to make him the once in future uh, wage and hour division administrator. Um, you know, we talked, I think, even back in December of 2020 in a in a webinar that we did about, uh, you know, having someone in that administrator role who was familiar with, um, you know, Dr. Weil's research and his strategic enforcement approach. Uh, well, you know, who knows it better than Dr. Weil himself? So, um, you know, President Biden has looked to revisit that well. 
Um, and during his committee hearing, as we said, it was just last week on Thursday, the 15th, um, he confirmed that he's committed to Obama era enforcement. Uh, makes sense since he was in charge of it. Uh, he would still be committed to his prior experience and, and uh, practices. And he's, you know, he, he stated he has a history of engaging with businesses. Again, I'm not sure that businesses would agree with that characterization. Um, but he did, you know, maybe in, in what is somewhat positive news for employers, he confirmed that only Congress, not the uh, division administrator, not the wage and hour division administrator can rewrite the independent contractor test. Um, that's certainly true, but, uh, you know, Dr. Weil, Weil could use his authority uh, to interpret a test in the way that broadens their enforcement activities, as you sort of alluded to, and I, you know, I would expect that. Um, we'll see how his performance went over with uh, with committee Republicans when they vote. Uh, I believe they're scheduled to vote on the 21st uh, to clear him out of committee. Um, and if there's a deadlock, you know, it could stall. Uh, just as you you referred to, uh, Simonanda's and uh, Julie Sue's nominations yeah. taking a while. Um, it could it could be a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. To the enforcement point, he he wrote the book on it. Um, he's had yeah. written a number of books. <laughs> Literally, um, but yeah, he he. I mean, technically, I guess it was a report to the Wage and Hour Division while he was a professor of economics at Boston University. But it was titled "Improving Workplace yeah. Conditions Through Strategic Enforcement." Enforcement. Um, yeah, and there's you know a number of recommendations, four key recommendations that came out of that, focusing at the top of industry structures enhancing deterrence effects at the industry and geographic level. So, you know, we, we might call that public shaming. Um, then transforming uh, complaint investigations from reactive to strategic, meaning using complaints to figure out, you know, kind of where to go when they're doing programmed inspections, um, rather than just reacting to a complaint, you know, use yeah. that information. Um, and then enhancing sustainability of initiatives through monitoring, meaning, you know, don't just enforce and disappear. They may sort of maintain a presence with an employer. Um, then there's a more recent article that Dr. Just Weil- Maintaining a presence of employers, every employer's like- Right, no, yeah. yes, <laughs> right. Fox in the hen house, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Dr. Weil and Tanya Goldman, who's DOL's current acting assistant secretary for policy, uh, talk about legal responsibility in the fissured workplace in a more recent article. And they argue certain workers' rights and protections should be tethered to work itself, not to the employment relationship. So again, you know, the portability of benefits may be a, a thing that they try and approach here. Um, you know, no doubt he's going to return and reemphasize the approaches he took while serving under President Obama. Um, you know, as we alluded to, broadening the definition of employer and using all of uh, wage and hours tools to push for increased employment, or excuse me, enforcement vis-a-vis uh, -vis the regulated community. Um, and in the name of worker protection, um, you know, it's, I think there'll be semantics batted back and forth uh, between uh, his supporters and, and not, but, you know, he's known as a vocal critic of the gig economy and, and Uber uh, and others like that. So, um, it'll be yes. interesting once he, if if and when he makes the tradition from uh, dean and professor at the Heller School for Social Policy and Management at Brandeis, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I think we can expect, again, more of the same, uh, similar similar to his first go around. Yeah. Uh, from personal experience, I can tell you that moving from academia to actual real world is it's a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he'll, uh, I'm sure call on his prior enforcement and uh, administrator experience uh, to, to help ease the transition. 
I'm sure uh, that's true. But uh, so I mean, with the short time that we have left, I just wanted to quickly, I think, talking about Julie Sue and Simananda since yeah. their what recent confirmations. Yeah, what do you think I, that means? I mean, is, are things going to pick up, speed up now that we've talked about the velocity of change before? Yeah, we, we've been speaking about this since like the very first podcast, I think, yeah. Mr. Hecker. I, you know, besides their personal agendas, I just think just having leadership in place, as you know, is is in itself a sort of catalyst for, for the velocity of change, right? No doubt. Um, no. I think that's going to help it, just logically speaking. Um, we talk, You talked about portability of benefits. I mean, Julie Sue is going to bring sort of that broader policy California uh, idea over to the DOL. So uh, I, I think the biggest thing with Julie Sue is, is how much leash Marty Walsh is going to give her or not give her, right? I, we saw in the committee hearings that, that's what a lot of the GOP were concerned about is that they like working with Marty Walsh, who's sort of this sort, you know, middle of the road kind of guy, as opposed to Julie Sue, who they're afraid going to come in and be a quote unquote shadow secretary. So, you know, we're, we'll see how that goes. I mean, she's entering at a moment when she has a chance to do a lot, given that the department's currently dealing with the pandemic and it needs sort of, you know, a, a creative, broad thinker in Julie Sue. So we'll see. How that goes. I think that Seema Nanda, unlike both Julie Sue and Marty Walsh, already has those Washington sort of connections. So I have a feeling that's going to be a bit of her role in sort of increasing the velocity of change because they're going to need those levers to be pulled uh, in order to get things done. As you, a resident of DC, you know all too well. And honestly, as a resident of Sacramento, I know how the policies work in the Capitol here too. Right. Uh, so it, it's just, it's really interesting um, going to be to see what their roles are. I mean, initially when Sue and Nanda got confirmed, I kind of saw it as a three-headed sort of Marty Walsh as the political backslapper with Seema Nanda as the DC insider with the ability to, you know, determine legislation or sorry, litigation and enforcement priorities and Julie Sue as the third head quarter policy wonk. But if you think about it, I mean, Julie Sue was really 10 years she spent at the Department of Labor and Seniors Enforcement, which is an enforcement agency here in California. So I have a feeling that her role will bleed over to that as well. So I just don't think it's going to be as sort of compartmentalized policy portfolios as I thought it was going to be. Just my, yeah. my two cents. <laughs> no, for sure. I think it's really interesting. We'll see how they sort of all interact together because it's not like these folks have backgrounds working together, I don't think. Um, and so... Yeah. As you said, some some are uh, more uh, you know at home at DOL already, and others are sort of learning the ropes. But as always, appreciate the conversation, Scott. Uh, your yeah. your thoughts and your insights, and and we appreciate everybody uh, joining us today on the uh, Policy Matters podcast. Uh, stay tuned for for more episodes going forward. Thanks a lot. Indeed. Thank you, Scott.